you will please stand with me at the reading, if you're able to stand with me, stand, because God himself is speaking to us from heaven, these words that we need, Galatians 6, verse 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. You may be seated. Let me start by saying track meets are the worst. Oh, man, they are the worst. We got there on a Tuesday, and we were warm. And they did not release us until almost Wednesday. Frozen. I'm wondering, who who is running these things? It seems to be a conspiracy uh, by people who want to try to trick us into thinking that baseball is not the worst. I'm sorry, you guys, again, but I'm starting to change my tune. Track meets are the worst. I love my little track meters. Um, and and there, there is, I will say, one redeeming uh, feature that I experienced at track meets. And, and that's when I saw my Evie, not in a race, but in the, that field in the middle, jogging alongside her big brother when he was struggling in the mile race. And... My Grinch heart grew three sizes that moment when I also saw Caleb strengthening Evie in her race. And his cheers were used to help her get ahead of a runner. Verse 2, Paul gives this command. Bear one another. That's, that's God code for Christian, one another. Bear other Christians' burdens. Oh, learn this. To be a Christian is to live with burdens. Not to be free of burdens. 
We have burdens that non-Christians do not have. That's what we've been looking at in the book of Galatians, especially in chapter 5, when we were made aware of this war that non-Christians don't have. They just give themselves over to the enemy and to the flesh. There's no battle at all. But we have inside of us the Spirit of God and the flesh warring against each other. We have burdens. And those burdens are mainly spiritual. That's what we're talking about. And they are the most dangerous kind of burden. Here's what I want you to know. To lighten our load, the Lord gives brothers. That's the summary of this passage. To lighten our load, The Lord gives brothers. Why do I, if I'm a Christian, why do I need my church? Here's one reason. Because God says I need brothers and sisters to lighten the spiritually burdensome load that I have to carry. The sermon's titled, Brothers for Burden. Brothers for Burden. And we have two points. Point number one, look after your brothers. And point number two, lift your burden. Point number one, look after your brother. Verses one through three. Now, I'm, I'm aware, let me speak as a father just for a moment. I, I'm aware, Kelly's aware, that, that lots of people just, and, and they, they may not even mean it whenever they say what they say, when they say, oh my God. My family is probably cringing right now because they know we don't say that in our house. And my family understands that we don't just say, not say, oh my God. We also do not say the Christian version of that. Well, one of my children, who will remain nameless, um, is, is passionate, uh, feels very deeply about things, and she's not, in the, she's not old enough to be in this room, so I'm just going to uh, talk about her just a, a little bit. Um, one day, when she was two years old, we were talking uh, to a neighbor, and this neighbor said this Christian version of that phrase. And my two-year-old immediately said, don't say, oh my gosh, like that, (laughs) you know, just in casual conversation, some sweet, well-meaning neighbor says, oh my gosh, and and my two-year-old could not stand it. Don't say, oh my gosh. And this... Neighbor felt rebuked, I could tell it, and we felt mortified. And, and it's happened more than that time. Um, and, and so now, if, if, there, if I'm around someone who I know to have a foul mouth, and my little, littlest, you know, the littlest nameless daughter uh, is with us, I just start praying that we don't have to deal with something. Verse 1. Brothers, if anyone... 
is caught in any transgression. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So Paul may take some issue with Kira's furrowed brow, her harsh interruption, her correcting a total stranger. But there is something she that I think he would agree with. And that was her urgency. This is what he says. If any brother or once any brother is caught, once he's caught in any transgression, and then he lays out three, three ways that we should look after our brother. And, and this will fill out an example for us that's better than two-year-old version of it. So three things we should do to look after our brother. Number one, look after them with an aim to restore. That's the aim. Do you believe this? That sin separates us from God? Therefore, if anyone is caught in any transgression, what kind of condition they're in? What kind of threat there is? And this is what would bother us the the absolute most about other people's sins. Even when they sin against us, it should be this. That they need to be restored to the Lord. And we can be used to, to rebuild or to mend their spiritual health. And so whenever we perceive this in anyone who is a brother. We can't just comfort them. We can't just move to them and listen to them. We are called to restore them. Which means to correct them. With truth and love. Look after your brother and sister beloved. With an aim to restore. But secondly with an attitude of gentleness. With an attitude of gentleness. You should restore them. You should. With an attitude of humility. That's what this word means. Of kindness, of forbearance with them. We who want to restore that person, if that is our aim, we will come with an attitude of gentleness because we will want to do everything we possibly can to help them here. It is so hard for someone who's caught in sin to hear, to listen. So we don't want to be harsh, loud, interrupting, scowling, disgusted with them or their sin, but gentle and firm. You have to leave this sin. You have to. This verse will always be special to me. Not just because I've just 
had so many opportunities as a pastor to obey this. But also because of how God so significantly convicted me of this verse. I was preparing uh, for this certification in biblical counseling, and, and as part of that, I was in this passage, and, and it struck me what it means when he says, you who are spiritual. I hadn't seen it before. I hadn't really put together what he meant by spiritual and, and in a spirit of gentleness, because it was a season when I was studying this where I was really not being gentle with my wife. Where I was too regularly correcting, too hurt, and angry in my hurt. And so I went to restore her and uh, try to help her see how wrong she had been. And, And God said, spiritual in his word. Spirit of gentleness, right after the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. When I realized, oh man, this requires more than my willingness to correct. This requires more than my gentleness with people who I don't care as much about as I do my wife. But every single time to be spiritual is to not do it with the kind of fits of rage, works of the flesh, dissension, strife, enmity. Even if they hurt you, even if you feel this, do it in a spirit of gentleness. To be spiritual is to walk by the spirit while you do it. And not exhibit the works of the flesh. Look after your brother. With an aim to restore an attitude of gentleness, but then also with an active watchfulness, an active watchfulness, a watchfulness that is active and engaged and constantly watching because, listen here, God is very clear, restoring even believing sinners is spiritually risky. And if you don't understand that, it's because you just don't do this. And you should be so thankful if you have anyone in your life who is willing to do this for you. Because they are risking themselves. Keep watch on yourself. Lest you too be tempted. Because you will. And there are some common temptations whenever you go close to someone and try to restore them to repentance. You're going to be tempted to gossip because they're going to shift the blame. You're going to be tempted to take on their slander and feel about the people that they talk about when they're blaming them for their sin. You're going to be tempted to do the same, to borrow their Bitterness. You're going to be tempted also because they will likely point the finger at you and accuse you and be completely wrong in their accusations. And you will be tempted to respond in kind, and then you're the one who needs restoration. So risky. 
And he calls us to it nonetheless. To look after your brother. That's what God wants us to do. With an aim to restore. With an attitude of gentleness. And with an active watchfulness. Because sin by its nature spreads. Church, are you able to hear this? And be amazed again at the love of the Lord for us. To lighten our load. The Lord gives us brothers. Look at verse 2. The way that he describes this. Bear one another's burdens. And so in this way. You fulfill the law of Christ by bearing one another's burdens that if you want to know how to fulfill the law of Christ, which if you look in chapter five, verse 14, he defines the law of Christ in the quote of Christ. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is how the whole law will be fulfilled in this one word love. You want to do that? You want to fulfill the law of Christ? You want to love. And he says here. That's how you fulfill it. In other words, this is, no matter what the person says to you, no matter what the church culture gives an excuse for why they don't do this in their church, Jesus says this is the very definition of what it means to love. And whenever you sin, oh, may you be blessed. By God himself. To be caught. By the right people. Burden. Bearing. Brothers. Are one of God's. Most merciful gifts. To his children. This is what he says in in James chapter 5. That whoever brings back a sinner, restores a sinner to the Lord from his wandering, will save that sinner's soul from death. Psalm 141 speaks about the attitude you should have toward that brother who comes to you to restore you. Do you have those brothers in your life? Are you that kind of brother or sister? Or do you keep everyone at arm's length? And you're, not, you're, you're here and you're listening, but you're not really in those kinds of relationships. Well, this should be your attitude. Let a righteous man strike me. It's a kindness. Let him rebuke me. And let not my head refuse the blessing of the oil that that rebuke is. Don't refuse it, beloved. Now listen, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. But I've got a prediction for you today. For the next time, God loves you in this way. And sends someone to correct you. Don't talk. And don't listen to yourself. Because what happens in those moments is people just start giving how you're wrong. Oh, you don't know this part. Don't talk. Don't talk. Because that's the kind of things you're going to say. You don't know how good I'm doing at this other than this one example that you're saying. 
Don't talk. And don't listen to yourself because what, even if you don't talk, you can't be listening to yourself because what you're going to be doing is saying, look at this hypocrite. They do the very thing that they're correcting me in. Or I've got this other thing against them. You won't hear them. And they are God's gift to you to bring you from death. Don't talk and don't listen to yourself, but listen to them. Listen to them. And thank them for all that they are risking to do what they're doing. And love for you. We talk about the gospel every single week. And we can talk about it now. Why would you say God sent his son to this world? We heard in Hebrews 2 that God sent his son to become a brother for our burdens. Did you hear it? It was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, that's the son of God, that he would bring many sons to God in glory. And he is not ashamed to call us what? Brothers. I will tell of your name, God, to my brothers. He was sent from heaven to become a man. So that he could become a brother. Because the sons and daughters that God wanted have flesh and blood. The son of God took on flesh and blood. Because of what we were facing, it says in Hebrews 2, we were under the power of death, that is under the power of the devil, and he came to defeat and destroy the devil, and he came to deliver us from our burden of being afraid to die. Because we were separated from God by our sin. And he saw those burdens, and the Son of God said, give me blood. And he came so that he could make us brothers by bearing our burdens. It says he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Jesus was fully man so that he might become what he was not before. A merciful and faithful high priest making propitiation for the sins of his people. That means... The anger of God was on the people who would become the children of God. And for God to make those people his sons and daughters, that anger had to be removed. Their sins had to be paid for. And so the son said, give me blood so that I can be a brother and that by my sinless life, my death can count for them. And I'll take away your anger, pour it out on me, so that you can bring them into our family. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus has come to do, to be a brother for our burdens. 
It says that now he's even this priest who can help us when we're tempted because he was tempted. Let me just say to you right now, you need a brother like that. And maybe you don't know Jesus, not savingly. He's your only hope to bring you into the family of God. You need a brother like that who can take your burden of sin and death, who can defeat the devil for you. You can't do it, but Jesus has come for that reason. And he will save you right now if you turn to him and ask him to forgive you and turn from your sins and follow him. He will save you. And then after that, he becomes the kind of brother who's still helping us in heaven, who we can pray to and help whenever we are facing the burden of our sin. We can pray to him and he's praying for us. The good news of the gospel includes that We don't just have one another as brothers and sisters helping us lighten our load. We have Jesus Christ himself. So it says in the book of Matthew, when one goes astray, he leaves the rest to go rescue. He's not okay with one of his brothers or sisters, one of the children of God to go sin and he goes to get them. You know what the next verse says? Do you know what the next verse says? I'll read it. Jesus turns to Christians and says, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have restored your brother. In other words, one of the main ways that Jesus restores the one who strays is through us. It's through a brother coming to you and confronting you in your sin. Let me invite you, if you're a Christian, to keep the law of your Savior, the law of Christ, and to love like Him. To love like this. We we looked at the fruit of the Spirit of love and said that in Galatians, love gives. Love gives. This is what love is. Don't, Don't just talk about love as some idea or feeling. Love gives of itself for the benefit of others. And Let me further define it. Love guards. It gives of self to guard others spiritually, which includes confronting them spiritually. You could hear love gives and you could open up your wallet and I think you should. But there are some ways of giving that are really convenient. Given out of excess. This is not convenient love. Love guards another from being alone in their sin. And I want to call every member of this church to love like this and rescue other brothers and sisters, especially in this church, because Christian love restores sinners. And there's a problem if we're not willing to be involved in this. And it's in verse 3. It's the problem of self-deception. 
If you think you are something when you are nothing, you're the only one you're deceiving is yourself. Do you know what he's in context? What must that mean? It means the person who hears this and says, I don't need anybody to help me. Not me. I got the spirit. I got all I want. But what did we just say the spirit does? If you would take God's perspective of you, you will understand your sin. Your sin. Your sin is too heavy for you. And mine is too heavy for me. If God believes we can't carry it alone and so he gives brothers and sisters. Who are you to say I don't need that? You're deceived. You're proud. You think you're someone. You're nothing. None of us is that someone. Without brothers, just take it by faith. You've got a choice right now to believe this or not. And therefore, interact with other Christians, especially in your church, a certain way. Without brothers, you're going to buckle. It's too heavy. It will crush you. And without you doing this work, we're going to buckle. Loving brothers lighten burdens. So can I just give a, a kind of a side note application? If you're a member of this church, would you thank God with me that we commit ourselves to this kind of love? That we commit ourselves to being a loving church? If you're not a member of this church, whatever you do with regard to a church, make love a top priority in your search. Not, not sweet words at the door, but this love. Don't commit yourself to an unloving church. Don't commit yourself to a church that doesn't do church discipline. Because the Spirit is not at work at that church. Because the Spirit indwells people to make them gentle for this reason. Go to a loving church where the spirit is at work because the Lord gives brothers to lighten our load. So look after your brother, but then secondly, in verses four and five, lift your burden, lift your burden. It can be uh, kind of confusing if you're paying attention anyway. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burden. And then verse 5 says, bear your own load. You're paying attention as you read God's word. It, you've got to deal with the fact that he says in verses 4 and 5 that, Christian, you should boast in yourself. And you've got to deal with what, what does he mean by that? Well, let me give you an illustration that may help you. 
Um, growing up, uh, a woman who's the closest woman in the world to me who shall remain nameless, um, I had a little sister, and that little sister had a reputation. Every single time there was something to be done for the family, she would say one of two things. I'm going to take a quick five. Whenever something needed to be done for the family, I'm just going to take a quick five. Or the second one was can't reach. You can laugh. I mean, she's not here. Uh, This really was... In other words, she refused to take any responsibility, even if it were her own chores. What Paul is saying here is your reason for boasting will be. You see that word will be? This is a future evaluation. This is when we face God in judgment. And what he's saying is on the day of judgment, if you enter the kingdom... And aren't cast out of the kingdom. It will not just be because. You had brothers and sisters. Who lovingly restored you. Who you had brothers and sisters. Which that will be why. You will have brothers and sisters. In this case it's called neighbor. Who lovingly restored you. Whenever you were straying. They lovingly corrected you. But that better not be the only reason. The only thing that you can say. What he says is verse 4, let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast. Will be in himself alone. Verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. What he's saying is no one, listen to me, no one should be more concerned with your holiness if you are a Christian. No one should be more concerned with your relationship with Jesus than you are. So some people get take this mentality of I've got brothers and sisters to do this for me. And they really, and these are real people who I know and I can name. They really take this attitude of it's your fault if I'm not doing this. No, you be concerned with your relationship with Christ first. You walk by the Spirit. You give yourself to the means of grace. You study your Bible. You pray. You be concerned for your sin. More concerned than other people. Lift your burden. Test your work. To lighten our load, the Lord gives brothers. You can't lift it by yourself. You can't. But it's just to lighten the load that the Lord gives brothers. You can't just take a quick five. And always say you can't reach even when it's your own heart we're talking about. On the day of judgment, we will stand by ourselves and give an account. Let me leave you with a couple of things we say in our family. And I come to these sayings honestly um, in the sense that we have five children. It's a lot of human beings in a building. Um, We we say a couple things. One, this family, we say this to our children, this family cannot work without your work. And then number two, we say, 
Do the hardest thing you can do well. Do the hardest thing you can do well. Mommy's got capabilities you can't do. She can do things well that you can't do. Stop making her load the dishwasher. Stop making her come behind you and do it again. You can do that well. She's far more important and has too much capability. You do the hardest thing you can do well. So that those who are more capable. Who can do harder things. Who can lift heavier burdens. Can focus on that. Now don't don't misunderstand me now. That does not excuse you from doing this work in Galatians chapter 6. You can't just say I can't do that well. Therefore I'm not going to do it. He's called you to do it. Brothers, sisters, you do this. But there are going to be situations where it's too heavy. And there are more mature believers in the church and and elders in the church who lift heavy things that you can't lift. And we can help you lift the things just because you you feel like you can't do it. But members of the Church of Redeemer, this family cannot work without your work. And you should do the hardest and heaviest thing you can do. We will help you do it. To lighten our load, the Lord gives, brothers. Oh God, we pray that you would take this loving, true passage and forbid that any here says, but not me. And pride. Only deceiving themselves. Forbid that any here would say, oh, I'm not doing that. I'll let the pros do it. Each one who's been loved by Christ like this has given the spirit who makes us gentle. And who equips us for this work. We pray that the love of Christ that guards sinners from hell would be a love lived out in Redeemer Church every single day. By your people. For your glory. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I may get hard of hearing. Uh, Maybe you're saying it. I want to hear it. Amen.